45 seconds and greet your neighbor. Would you do that? Give us a chance to reset. <laughs> hey guys, Pastor Adam here. I'm so glad that you are tuning in to one of our powerful messages. We believe will elevate your faith and take your life to the next level. And Elevate, we believe that the Word of God is our blueprint and we build our lives on the truths found in God's Word. We know that this message will help you grow in your walk with God and develop your faith so that you can become all that God has for you. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as we listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. What an amazing baptism. We're so, so excited uh, for everyone today that, that made that decision. And uh, we're here to help you in your walk with God. And, and you're just getting started. We're, we're so excited about your future in, in the house of God. Amen. Uh, this morning, I uh, just want to give a couple of announcements before we jump into the Word. The first announcement is this, is that this Saturday is our community outreach. It's our back-to-school bash. And uh, from 12 o'clock in the afternoon to 2 o'clock, so for two hours... We're just going to love on our community. We've got backpack stuff with school supplies. We've got a group of haircutters coming in, going to give free haircuts to all of our, all of our students. Uh, we've got hundreds of pairs of shoes to give away. There's snow cones. There's popcorn. There's hot dogs. Uh, there's free lunch for everyone in attendance. And uh, we're just going to have a wonderful time loving on our community. And so uh, I don't know if, 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 if what your plans are for Saturday, but maybe from the hours of 12 to 2, you could join about I think there's going to be probably a hundred volunteers from our church out there it's going to be amazing we've got the orange fire department coming we've got Adrian setting up his bike ramps and doing an aerial BMX stunt show out there it's going to be wonderful and we're just going to love on our community and and we just want to invite you to be a part of that uh, rich our, our leader of our um, reach um, department here at our church. He's in charge. He and his wife are in charge of all things evangelism. He's got a bunch of flyers. And so maybe you know somebody, maybe somebody's coming to your mind right now that you can think of that needs a little help getting their kids back in school. Um, we want to help them. We want to be a part of that. We want to bless some families uh, this week. And so he's going to have six packs of flyers that you can take with you today. And you can let people know in your, in your, in your, in your sphere. And uh, we'll, we're going to see God do some tremendous things. Sometimes we got to get people's attention in order for God to capture their heart. And that's exactly what we're doing this Saturday. And we just look forward to every one of you being a part of that. Word has it, we have volunteer shirts for every volunteer that comes to help. And uh, so that's going to be for you. And uh, I think we just upped the volunteer base right there. So <laughs> excited about that. And so just want to let everyone know about that. Grab some flyers on the way out. Invite some families that you know that could use a little help. Also, the other announcement we want to let everyone know is that on the 19th, uh, Saturday the 19th, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday at 11 o'clock in the, in, in the morning, 11 a.m., we're going to be converging on Huntington Beach, uh, and we're just going to have a beach day for all of us. We're going to just have a great time together. It's, it's the, end of, the end of the summer, and we just want to celebrate together and just have a time of fellowship, and uh, we had a great time last year, and we're looking forward to another great time this year, and, and uh, so, so kind of mark that in your calendar. We'd love to have everyone out for that. Today is Move Up Sunday. And so some of our kids, they've already been released to their classrooms, but depending on their, their, what grade they're moving into this year, uh, kind of depends on what class they're going to be going. And so we have some kids that are moving, and uh, we're grateful for that. Uh, but it's, it's kind of a special Sunday because today at the end of our service, we're going to be praying over all of, our, all of our students and all of our staff. And so if you are a member of faculty of a school, or you're working with children on a day-to-day -day basis in the school, system, we're going to be praying with you, and we're going to be praying God's blessing over you, and uh, so I want you to be prepared for that, and so don't make me beg you to come forward. If you're working with kids, yes, we want to pray over you today, and I just want to put that in your, in your, in your head, and we're also going to be inviting our children back in. We're going to pray over them as they go back into school. And, and so this morning, I'm going to jump into the Word today. Is that okay? I haven't spoken. This is, it's been six weeks since I've been behind the, the, the pulpit. And so that's going for it. I'm, 
I'm chomping at the bit. I've had this message done for a few weeks. The one thing that's going against me is that I, was, I had to be at a wedding yesterday. It was an evening, evening wedding in the hills of Ensenada, Mexico. And so we left last night fairly late and drove home. And uh, originally we were talking, well, let's just spend the night. It's too crazy. And I'm like, no, I have to preach. We're going home. And so, so we got home pretty late. And so I have a little bit of grogginess, but I just downed a Celsius drink provided for me by Johnny and Jen. And I am amped right now. I've been chomping at the bit. I've been so excited about this. And so we actually, we actually, I'm going to have to go fast because I'm already looking at that clock and it's working against me. Okay. But I, I think I can overcome today. I believe that I can overcome and we're going to have a great time in the house. Lord, are you ready to hear from God today? All right. All right, don't make me beg for some amens today. Come on, be with me right from the beginning, and we're going to have a good time in the house of the Lord. The title of this message is Inversion, Reversion. Inversion, Reversion. I just want you to think about those two words, and I'll, I'll let you know what they mean because some of you have no idea. But an inversion is the opposite of what it's supposed to be. So when something is inverted, when you're looking at an inverted image, it's actually an opposite reflection of what it actually should be. A reversion is a return to the original intent. And so this title is a little bit of a play on words. It's two opposite words kind of against each other. And, and that's what I want to talk about today, an inversion, reversion. And we're going to find it in God's word. And I believe that this message is going to be important. I believe that it's also prophetic for our church. And I believe that God has something he wants to say to us. How many believe when you come to the house of the Lord and we open up his word, God speaks? I believe God has something that he wants to say to his church, and I believe we can, we, can, we can kind of pull the veil back on the schemes of the enemy and get a picture of what the enemy's up to, and I believe that God can give us strategy. He can download strategy into our hearts so that we can overcome the opposer. We're up against an enemy. Can somebody shout amen? And I believe God wants to give us his word, which is a strategy in our time for the enemy. And so I believe today's word is in season. It's going to be undiluted. It's going to be fresh. And I've been chomping at the bit to get this out. And so be with me, all right? And we're going to be in the, our text is going to be out of the book of Ezra. And I, re, I recognize a lot of times we, we don't use Ezra very often in, 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 at church, but we're going to be in the book of Ezra. And each of my points is going to be based on a chapter in the book. So we're going to look at Ezra chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. And so I'll give you a little bit of time to kind of get located in Ezra and, and maybe by talking about who Ezra was. Ezra was a famous church builder. He, he was a priest in Israel and his story kind of settles in after Israel's been destroyed, God's people have been overtaken by Babylon, uh, Jerusalem is in ruins, the temple has been destroyed, the people have been taken from their, their homes and taken from their cities and taken from their surroundings, and they've been taking, taken captive into Babylon. Are you tracking with me? And now, after many years of in slavery, now they've become emancipated from Babylon, and so there's a remnant of, of people there's a group of people that have decided we're going to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city. We're going to go back to Jerusalem and to our roots, to where our, our promised land, and we're going to rebuild what was stolen from us. And, and so, so this is an important work. This, is, this, this work and this job is going to take a ton of people. There's going to be a group of people that are going to have to work together. And, and, and here's the thing about the Bible. I want to say this before I go any further. What you read in the Bible, you need to understand that Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 says this. What has been will be again. And what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. In other words, we are on a repeat cycle. And so a lot, I know a lot of times we, we look at what's happening in our world and we think, oh my gosh, it's never been this bad. Nothing like this has ever happened before. But that would be untrue. Because if you wonder what's happening in your world, all you have to do is read the Bible and it will give you back history of what you're facing today. Did you hear me? The Bible is actually more relevant than today's newspaper. Most people don't view it like that. Most people think that it's just a history book, but it's actually a blueprint. And that's why we call, that's why we say here that God's word is our blueprint. Because if you can locate it in God's word, you can locate it for yourself. 
So, so we, don't be, we don't believe that the Bible is just some old history book. No, we believe that the Bible is living and it's active. And when we find it in God's word, it actually sets a precedent. We can find precedent in God's word. What is precedent? Well, precedent is a legal term. And basically what, is, what, what precedent is, is if it happened before, then we use it to, to acknowledge that it can happen again. So if God did it before, he can do it again. So the Bible's not just history, it's alive. It's not just alive, it's also history, all right? And so the stories in God's word and the testimonies that we can gather from it are precedent for our story here and now. Are you with me? And so the first two chapters of Ezra we're not going to really get into. But, but the first two chapters basically outline the prophecy of Jeremiah and, and basically say what Jeremiah prophesied is actually going to come to pass. And so the story of Ezra is a prophetic story. There's no doubt about it. It's, 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 it's birthed in prophecy, but it's also a practical story. And so we can gather things from it that we can use now. He, here's why it's practical. Because what's, what Ezra's talking about is rebuilding the temple. He's talking about building the house of the Lord. And here's the truth, and you need to understand this. We're a lot like Ezra. We've been called to build the church. We've been called to partner with Jesus who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so you and I, just like Ezra, we're, we're a part of building the temple, building the house of God in our world. And so in this particular story, in these three chapters, Ezra 3, Ezra 4, and Ezra 5, I wanna, I wanna talk about three main points. And the first point is this, the picture. So in Ezra chapter three, we're gonna look at a picture. In Ezra chapter four, we're, we're faced with a problem. We're gonna talk about that problem. And in Ezra chapter five, we're gonna look at the promise, all right? Those three things. And so we pick up the story in Ezra chapter three. And Ezra, at this time, he's got a couple guys he's working with. A guy by the name of Joshua and another dude by the name of Zerubbabel. These guys are building contractors. I want you to understand this. They're, they're nothing special. They're building contractors. They're working to actually, like hard labor, build the house. And so these Two main guys are in charge of this massive project. They've come with Ezra out of Babylon. And so here they are working together. They're beginning this building, and it's a glorious moment. We see it in, in, in verse 10. The Bible says that when the builders laid the foundation of the temple, the priests with their trumpets and the Levites with their cymbals took their places to praise the Lord as David had prescribed. And with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, and they sang, he is good, and his love endures forever. How many believe that? Sounds like us this morning, talking about how good God is. But look at this picture. The Bible says that all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So all we have is a foundation at this point. Everybody's excited. Verse 12, many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud as they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. And then many others, and we can gather that these others would have been younger people because they hadn't seen the temple foundation laid. They're shouting for joy, okay? So, so here's the picture that I want you to try to look at with me today. We're gonna try and paint this picture. You've got the elderly and, and, and we know they're elderly because they remember the former temple. So they remember what it was like before they got taken captive and went to Babylon for all those years. These people knew what it was like to have a place where they could worship God. And so they're there and they're weeping because they realize the symbolism, the sacredness, the, the reality, the hugeness of this moment that they're facing right here. And then you also have in this picture the young people. And, and they'd never seen a temple before. They'd never gone to a temple before. They don't even know what a temple is. And they're there in the same moment and they're shouting for joy. And verse 13 says that no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the, the sound was heard far away. So this sound made quite an impact. And I, I believe in, in this chapter, God is painting a picture. And here's the thing, a lot of times if you read your Bible and don't stop to think about it, 
you'll miss so many details. You'll miss so many things. And what I like to do is I like to, 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 to look at a story like this and ask myself some questions and think about what's really going on. And, and here's the thing, if you don't stop, if you just kind of read straight through and just kind of get it done, you'll miss so many revelations and small important details that really are important for us today. And so this text, I believe it paints an extraordinary picture that if you don't stop to think about it, you'd miss the details. So we're gonna stop and think about it today, is that okay? So here's the picture. And I'm saying it's a, it's a picture of the health of society. The first thing that we see, and it's obvious, is that there's unity. It's together, together. It's what, we want, it's what we're aiming for as a church. You've got the older generation and the younger generation. They're all together. They're all worshiping God. I think obviously right there, you're seeing this beautiful picture of unity. Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. We're always pushing towards unity all the time, all right? And so it's, it's this picture of unity, which is healthy. It's what we want. That's why we always push back against, against, against division. We don't want to see it. We hate division. God hates division. So we don't want that. We see, we see the picture of together, together. But, but what I want to really focus in, in on is why are the older people crying? Why is there in this picture the mature people in the room, the older people in the building, why are they weeping? As I began to think about it, I began to realize is that this generation is weeping because they are the key burden carriers of society. I want you to just grab a hold of this with me. They're weeping, these older people are weeping because they know that they bear the responsibility of culture and they bear the responsibility of society on their shoulders. And so there they are and this temple foundation is laid and they know what that means. They know the difference of a society that's built where God is at the center and they know the difference between that and a society that's anti-God. And so they're seeing the foundation being laid and they're overwhelmed and tears are flowing from them because they understand what this means. They know what the reestablishing of a healthy society looks like. They know what that looks like. It looks like God being at the center. And so they know what it's like when the church is not built. They know what it's like when the church isn't at the center. And so they're so overwhelmed with thanksgiving because of what they're seeing starting that they begin to weep. Meanwhile, in this same picture, you've got the young people and they're shouting for joy as they should. They're shouting for joy and they're like, yes, let's build the temple. What's a temple? That's literally what they're doing. They don't even know what a temple is. They're shouting for joy over something that they have never seen before. They don't even know, they don't even know the, the, the reason that, it, that it's even happening. And, and so they're hearing about the foundation being laid and they're overjoyed. They're shouting for joy. You know why? Because that's what kids do. Is anybody here at 10 o'clock this morning? Come on. That's what kids do. Woohoo! Come on, that's why every, we, every Sunday we see kids running crazy through here. We try to stop them, all right? We try to slow them down, but we know that's just part of it because that's what kids do. Right. Their kids are out there having fun, and so what I'm seeing in this picture that God's painting for us out of Ezra chapter three is there's age-appropriate expression. Are you with me today? This is what God intended. There's the older people in the room. It's who I'm talking to right now talking to the mature in the room, all right? The adults in the room, that's who we're talking about right now. It's a picture of the adults understanding their responsibility, and the young people are just having a good time. Unfortunately, there's been an inversion on that picture, because that's not what we're seeing in society today. When we look at society today, that picture has been corrupted. That picture has been inverted. There's been an inversion of God's original plan, his original intention. Instead of the adults in the room bearing the responsibility and carrying the burden that they're meant to carry, they're actually causing young people to weep in exchange for their pleasure. I mean, isn't that what we're seeing in America today? Isn't that what we're seeing in our culture and society today where society is trying to indoctrinate and infiltrate an entire generation of grade school children 
placing a burden on their shoulders that they were never meant to carry. Are you with me today? When I grew up, like as a kid, I had age-appropriate problems. Like, like my problems were like, what am I gonna do about those bullies who stashed my banana seat bike in the bushes? Like that's what I was dealing with. I, 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 was, trying to, I, was, trying to, I was trying to figure out, you know, like, like well, I mean, I'm talking about age-appropriate problems. I'm, how could I get, as a fifth grader, how could I get my volcano project to erupt in historic fashion? Like, my class is gonna be watching. I don't want, like, just bubbles coming out of my volcano. I want fire, all right? I want lava coming out of my volcano. And you better believe it happened, praise the Lord. You better believe my volcano erupted in historic fashion. Like, like I had age-appropriate problems. Like, do I wear Vans or Nikes? Because I couldn't have both. All right? So I had to make a choice. And so was it going to be Vans or was it going to be Nikes? I had age-appropriate problems. How am I going to nuke these zits? Right? Toothpaste. Oxy. I'm trying everything. How do I nuke these zits? I had age-appropriate problems. But that's not what we're seeing today. I mean, what kindergartner wants to entertain the idea that they've been born in the wrong body? Are you with me today? Our kids are being taught things they should never have to hear. And the reason is, is because we've elevated the pleasure and preference of an adult over the joy of the children. This system has been inverted. There's been an inversion of the picture that God intended. It's children weeping at the expense of the adult's pleasure. It's an inversion of society. You got family-friendly pride events where clothing is optional, parading in front of children. It's a picture of adult pleasure at, at, at the expense of children weeping. You got drag queens showing up in public libraries to read to children. This is, this is, this is adult pleasure at the expense of children weeping. Just recently, my daughter, she's, she's attending college online and she's getting her general uh, kind of academics out of the way and these are classes that you have to take that she's trying to, trying to muscle through and, and just kind of get it out of the way and, and uh, she recently, there's a class that she has to take call on ethnics. Somebody say ethnics. The heck is ethnics? And so ethnics is, is the study of race and gender and, and sexuality. And this is a class that she has to take. And, and so they're, they, they, her course syllabus is right there. And then, and then she's introduced to her instructor. This is coming directly from the college. So if you think we're joking about this, this is like legit real stuff. So this is her first impression. This picture right here is the first impression of her instructor. That's gonna teach her everything she needs to know about race, gender, and sexuality. And he asks her to refer to him, his pronoun is beast. I mean, this, this right here is a picture, it's an inversion. It's a picture of adults' pleasure at the expense of children weeping. And so I wanna tell you right here from Elevate Ministries, when we build the church, what happens is, is the right generation has the, has the correct godly response. Did you hear that all the way in the back? Like when we build the house of God, what we're doing here is all about what's happening out there. What we're doing inside of here, that's why we place some, such a high emphasis on Elevate Nights. This is why we place such a high emphasis on E-Kids, because we're sick of seeing kids weeping. We're sick of seeing kids weeping. We're, we're sick of kids hearing things they should, never, they should never have to hear at their age. Are you with me today? We're sick of kids seeing things they shouldn't have to see at their age. Being introduced to adult themes that only desire to jack them up. And so what are we doing here? We desire to bring our children into an environment where they're actually taught the truth, where they can live their lives as children, all right? Where their innocence is protected, where their virtue and their identity in Christ is affirmed over and over and over again. 
And so I want you to know, never think that your kids are just being babysat and doing meaningless crafts. We are making it our, our goal to make sure that every child is nurtured and protected so that they're not weeping, but they're crying shouts of joy wherever they go. Come on, because we wear the burden and the responsibility. Are you with me? It's our responsibility. And so at Elevate Ministries, we say it like this, the future starts now. I know a lot of churches say, oh, this is, a, this is our future, you know? This someday, these people are gonna take over. We don't believe it like that. We're look, we believe the future starts now, that every person is important in God's plan, regardless of their age, regardless of where they come from. And so that's why we have things like eKids, and so we're, we've made it our determination that we're gonna provide our young people with community, with instruction, and with empowerment. And we will make sure that the indoctrination of the world system is contested. That's what we're doing here at E-Kids. Watch a video real quick. We place a high value on community. We believe that everyone, regardless of their age, will benefit from a close relationship with God and each other. Every eKid participant will quickly recognize that church is so much more fun when we work in community. All of our activities are designed to build friendships that we can count on and a relationship with Jesus that will last a lifetime. We are together, together. At eKids, we place Jesus at the forefront of everything we do, and we are committed to teaching our amazing young people how to live according to what He said. Jesus is front and center. We follow a powerful three-center leader curriculum that is carefully designed to instruct our kids on what we believe and why we believe it. Elevate is a church full of imagination, and we know that the creativity of the future is directly tied to the training we give right now. Every child has a variety of giftings that are just begging to be developed. At eKids, our instruction includes the encouragement to not only attend church, but to participate. Our teaching is a direct counter to the lies and confusion which is leading to the moral decay of our society. The truth of God's word will provide a firm foundation for our students to confidently stand upon. Each child will have a sure knowledge of who they are in Christ, a confidence that they were fearfully and wonderfully made, and an understanding that God's designed them with a unique destiny and a purpose. At eKids, our students will not only learn about God has put in their hearts, naturally they will develop a passion for ministry and an understanding of responsibility. Every child at eKids has the opportunity to participate in many of the same amazing ministries that take place here on campus every week. When you come to eKids, you can expect to see kids running the sound and media, sharing their testimony from the platform, praying for each other, and leading worship. So cool. We are generous contributors of our time, talent, and treasures. As exciting as it is to see our children empowered to participate in church, we want to equip them with the tools necessary to impact their world. The agenda of today's culture is constantly trying to confuse and distort God's purpose and plan. Our eKids will be able to stand out and speak up because they've been resourced with the truth. This allows them to overcome the darkness and change their world one person at a time. We will stand up and speak out. At eKids, we're building faith-driven dreamers who will take on the world for Jesus. We're not a someday kind of church. We believe that the future starts now.
Oh, come on. That's what's up. That's what's up. At Elevate Ministries, the future starts now. And so we're providing our kids with community, instruction, and empowerment. And I'm here to make a vow to you on behalf of our church. We're never going to allow the devil to go uncontested. We're not giving the devil a month. We're not giving him a week. We're not giving him one day. We're not giving one square inch to the father of lies. We're going to make sure that our children are shouting for joy, not weeping at the expense of his pleasure. Somebody shout amen. Let me show you this in scripture. Let me show you this in scripture. Ecclesiastes 7. It says, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. But the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. I think what we're seeing is the foolishness playing out in our world. And this, this scripture is not saying that we walk around like we've lost our best friend. We, 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 can, we can bear the responsibility and have the joy of the Lord at the same time. And we need to do that. But too many adults have elevated their pleasure at the expense of children weeping. And we're not going to do that. We're going we're gonna to carry out the picture that God intended. We're going to carry, as the adults in the room, can I talk to the adults in the room? We're going to carry the burden of society. We're going to bear that weight so that our kids can shout for joy. Somebody shout amen. Amen. In chapter 4, you turn the page, chapter 3, you see this great picture, but you turn the page to chapter 4, and now all of a sudden, you realize that there's problems. Anytime you have a picture of what God intended, there's always going to be opposition to that picture. There's always going to be opposition to God's plan. With every healthy picture, there's always an opposer. Revelations 12, 12 assures us that that's going to be the case. Because that scripture says, heaven's rejoicing, but then it says, but woe to the earth and woe to the sea. Why? Why should we be woeing? Well, the reason we should be woeing is because the devil's gone down to you. And he's, he, he's coming. Why? He's filled with fury because he knows his time is short. So that tells us that as long as we're living on this earth, as long as we're here on this earth, we're going to have to contend with an enemy. We're going to have to contend with an opposer, and this opposer is going to stir up some trouble, is going to wreak some havoc, is going to oppose you. Why? Because, because the scripture says he knows his time is short. So he's going to come out at you. He's, he's still wreaking havoc today. All right? still going on. So you'll notice that every time you put your hand to build what God's asked you to build, the opposer will always sneak in and try to mess up and try to corrupt the picture that God has. Peter told us this. He said, don't be surprised when you have trials. Don't be surprised when things aren't going your way. Hey, don't be surprised when, when you're tested like something strange is, is going on. This is, this is normal stuff. You're going to go through some things. There's going to be some attacks on your marriage, on your marriage, on your marriage, on your family, on your children. We're going to, we're going to have those types of things, and and this is exactly what's going on in our text. Right, follow this with me if you can. You've got these people. They've laid the foundation. They're building the house of God. You've got this great picture of unity. You got young people shouting for joy. You got the mature people carrying the correct burden. And then all of a sudden, the opposition comes in. And you see this happening in verse four of chapter four. That the Bible says that the people's around them. How many know we're surrounded? That the people around them set out to discourage the people of God and make them afraid to keep building. This is how the devil works. He uses the people around. He uses the circumstances around us. He uses lies and intimidation and slander and opposition to try to stop what God's building. Are you with me today? And, and these people around, verse 5 says, they bribed the officials to work against the people of God and frustrate their plans. And so the people around, they got the government involved got the government to try to stop the God's people from building the church. They got, they got the officials to try to make it harder. How many, how many feel like we're noticing that in our world? We're seeing that happening. And then you got these people, they, they decide, you know what, we're going to write a letter to the king. You're going to find out very, very fast who these people are. They're a bunch of Karens, all right? They're a bunch of Karens. See if you can pick it up. Verse 12. This is the letter that they wrote. The king should know that the people that's come to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. How many know Jerusalem is not rebellious nor wicked? This is fake news happening right here, okay? Karen goes on. They're restoring the walls 
They're repairing the foundations, horrible stuff. Furthermore, the king should know that if this city is built, if these walls are restored, no more taxes. No more tribute or duty will be paid to you, king. And eventually, the royal revenues will suffer. But since we're under obligation to the palace and we care so much about you, it's not proper for us to see the king dishonored. And so we're sending this letter to inform the king. How noble of these wonderful Karens here in this story. So here's the thing. You would think that when you set out to do a work for God, you would think that there would be no opposition. You would think that somehow God would just make all things work together for good. You know, that's the scriptures we quote. And, and you know, I'm building God's house. I'm building a godly family. I, 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 I'm doing all these things. I, I shouldn't have to face these trials. I shouldn't have to go through these things. And surely, if we're doing what God asks us to do, we'll face no opposition, right? Like, we're going to get a free path. It's going gonna, it's gonna to just be okay. No. There is an opposer. There is someone that's trying to stop, and you're thinking, what? What? What, what? what do you mean? God, why am I going through this? This just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. Lord, did I do something wrong? Lord, is this an indictment on my character? Why, why am I having to go through these things? And, and I want to tell you this today. Most of the time, when you're getting opposed, it's not because you're doing something wrong. Chances are it's because you're doing something right. Are you with me today? It's because you're taking a stand for Christ. It's because you're raising godly kids. It's because you're building and investing in the house of God. And then the enemy comes, why? Because that's what the enemy does. All of a sudden you get opposition, why? Well that's because that's what an opposer does. It, it opposes us. So what do we do when the enemy opposes? What I'm gonna tell you we don't do is what happened in Ezra 4. Because these people who had such a great picture of joy and celebration in chapter three. Now they're faced with this problem, this opposition in chapter four, and instead of just pushing through it, instead of moving forward, all of a sudden, they give up. This is not new. Paul described it like this in 1 Corinthians 16. He says, there's been a great door for effective work. It's been opened to me. And then what's he say next? but there are many who oppose me. And so every one of us, you're gonna have open doors. There's gonna be opportunities for you to do something effective with your life. That could be build a great marriage. That could be have amazing kids. That could be be involved in some sort of ministry. That could be starting a business. That, that, that could be a variety of, of different things. But that effective work that you've been called to do is not gonna be without opposition. It says there are many, Paul writes, that are opposing what God's trying to do in my life. And so the question is, is how are you being opposed today? Every one of you is being opposed. Any, if you're trying to do something for God, if you're trying to raise your family and serve God and build his house, there will be opposition. So, so what is your opposition today? It's amazing to me, scripture in Lamentations, look what it says. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And his mercies, look at it, never come to an end. Why is that the case? I'll tell you why. Because we need it. If his mercy, we just got it one time and everything was great, we wouldn't ever need it again. But the Bible says it's never ending. Because we need the mercy of God every single day because we're fighting. We're going up against different things. And God's saying, I'm gonna give you my mercy. I'm gonna give you my presence. I'm gonna be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Just don't give up. And here's the thing, sadly in our text, is what we see is these people that had such a great start, they, they, be, they, they became intimidated by these enemies and the Bible says they put their tools down. They just kind of gave up on the project. They let the temple sit there just with the foundation laid and, and, and maybe a little bit of framework done, but for 20 years, they stopped working on the house of God. The Bible actually says that instead of working on God's house, they just kind of got on with their own lives. They started, they said, ah, they just kind of said, forget the, the house of the Lord, and they began to work on their own houses. They began to work on their own properties and try to, try, try to satisfy themselves in a different way. And sadly, what we read is that society all of a sudden begins to crumble again. You know why? Because whenever God's presence isn't at the center of society, the picture gets inverted. 
And so that's what they're seeing happen all again. Society begins to crumble all around them. The building materials are, are, are stacked in a corner. The tools are rusting and collecting dust and going unused. See, there's a problem going on. The problem was this. They stopped building God's house and instead went to work on their own. Let me tell you something. Your house suffers when you don't put God's house first. And that's why we say this, that when you take care of God's house, he'll always take care of yours. But when you invert that, when you invert that, you'll see what will happen is exactly what happened in our text. Chapter four, society crumbling. So chapter three, great start. It's a picture of what God has for society. Chapter four, all of a sudden there's a problem. Let me tell you something, anytime Satan comes with a problem, God always follows that up with a promise, and so we get to chapter number five. Chapter number five, you've got Ezra, and you've got Joshua, and Zerubbabel. These are the three main guys responsible for building the house of God. And we know they become so disillusioned, and so frustrated, and so, so disheartened that they stop building the, the house. Why, why'd they stop building? Well, because the problem was too big. They ran out of money. They, they, they felt like they couldn't get the job done. They're being opposed by the government. What, what chance could they possibly have to have any sort of success? So they just gave up. Anybody ever felt like that before? Like it's just, I, there's no way, man. It's just, it's just too hard. But I want you to see something in verse one of chapter five, that, that all of a sudden, the prophets of the Lord show up on the scene. Look at verse one. The Bible says that Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the prophet, prophesied to the Jews in the name of God who was over them. And look what happens next in verse two. Then Zerubbabel and Joshua went back to work. And the prophets were with them, supporting them. And so all of a sudden, you see the, the picture begin to shift again. Why? Well, because the word of the Lord became center stage again. When the word of God came to these people who were disillusioned, who had given up, who stopped working, they were full of apathy, all of a sudden the word of God is inserted into their lives and they started to rise up and build again. And so the question is, is well, what did those prophets actually say? Because you don't get to see it in Ezra. So what did they say? What did Haggai say? this prophet of the Lord? What did Zechariah say? This prophet of the Lord? We don't even get to know. All we know is whatever they said worked. So I know you're thinking, well, what did they say? I'm glad you asked. Actually, in the Bible, there's a book called Haggai and a book called Zechariah, and those books record exactly what they prophesied. Would you like to know what they said? I know you did. Haggai chapter one, verse two. So Haggai, the Bible says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say that the time has not come to rebuild the Lord's house. In other words, the people are saying, it's too hard. The opposition's too much. There's no way we're gonna be able to do it. And so he continues on. He says, this is, he says, it is, is, it, is it a time for you to, to be living in your houses while this house remains in ruins? Now this is what God says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, it's never enough. You drink, never get full. You put on clothes but aren't warm. You earn wages, but put them in a purse with holes in it. And this is what God says, give careful thought to your ways. In other words, God's speaking to the people. He's saying, look, you're trying to build your own house. You're spinning your wheels, your wheels without the house of God in its proper location. You're gonna get nowhere fast. You're attempting to repair what's broken, but it will never work. Look what he says in verse eight. He says, go up to the mountain. Bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What, I, what you brought home, I blew it away. Why, says God? Because of my house. It remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Listen, God's not throwing a tantrum here. He's trying to teach his children a lesson. And the lesson is this, that the blessing on your house your prosperity and your peace and your provision and your fruitfulness is directly linked to the, to, the, to the prosperity and the peace and the provision of God's house. And so God's saying, guys, you rejected my house. You've rejected its building and you've poured all of your efforts into your own agenda. 
And, and the health of God's house is determining the health of yours. So you can try, but you'll fail over and over and over again. And I want to tell you, it's the same for us today. And that's why we always say, if you take care of God's house, he will take care of yours. So there's another prophet comes along. His name is Zechariah. And Zechariah also prophesies to them. And look what it says in verse 6. The Bible says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He says this, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In verse 7 he says, what are you, O mighty mountain? You see, what they were facing and what they were up against, this, this is some problems. It was problematic. It seemed impossible. It actually appeared like a mountain. It seemed like there was no way. I'm going to tell you something. It's not, it's not dissimilar to what we face. And I know that many of you are sitting here today, and you feel like you're facing a mountain. And you feel like there's no way around. There's no way you're able, ever able gonna be to, to scale that wall. So I'm gonna ask you the question, what does your mountain look like? What, what does your opposition look like that you're facing today? I'm asking you to name it. And here's Zechariah, he continues on, and he says, what are you, O mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, this mountain will become level ground. And then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. Listen, I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. What mountain are you facing? What opposition are you looking at? In the, how is the opposer opposing you? Because I want to tell you something, all you need is a word from God to take a mountain and turn it into level, level ground. So the prophets come, right? The prophets come. They, the word of the Lord goes forth, which we just read. And in verse 2, what happens? The Bible says that because of the word of the Lord, Zerubbabel and Joshua got busy. They went back to work on, on the house of the Lord, and the Bible says that God's word was supporting them. Listen, what you need to build what God's called you to build is nothing more than the word of God. The word of God is everything you need. It's a blueprint for your life. It's a blueprint for your family. It's a blueprint for your ministry, for your business, for everything that you're trying to do. All you need is a word from God. And what we can learn from this story is that when you persevere through the problem, God will set a word in front of you, and that word will dislodge you. It'll dislodge you out of your comfort. It'll dislodge you out of, out, out of, out of your, your, your apathy and place you in front of where he wants you to be, heading towards a bright future. You know, in this story, I pray this spoke to you, and I know every time that you see Drew get up, you're thinking, great, he's almost done. <laughs> Anyways, I am almost done. But in this story, what, what we see is this wonderful picture. And so what I want you to grab a hold of, and I hope you can take this with you as you leave today, we see this wonderful picture of, of age-appropriate burden. And I think in this room, I think we need to recognize that as the adults in the room, we have a responsibility that God has placed a burden inside, a, a calling inside of all of us. And this isn't our time just to woo-hoo. This isn't our time. Th that's not what, we're not called just to be full of pleasure all the time. There's a, there's a burden and a responsibility that we carry as the people of God, as a remnant in society to place God's house in the place it belongs, right at the center. So we see in chapter three this beautiful picture and then we see the opposer come in. And I know some of you right now, that's where you're at. Like right now in your particular situation, and I know there's so many in this room, but some of you are facing some serious stuff. And you can recognize there is an opposer and he is opposing you, trying to stop you from this beautiful picture that God's painted. Trying to stop the building house. I, 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 want, I want to tell you today, you're not alone. That all around this room, there's, there's different battles going, different mountains we're all facing. Things that we're looking at at this, very, at this present time, and you shouldn't be surprised by that because that's what the opposer does. He opposes. But one thing you can rest assured today is that whenever you have a mountain like that, whenever you're facing opposition like that, you can, you can rest assured that there's a word from God 
that can come to you to help you persevere through that problem and get the picture that God has for you. Thank God for the word of the Lord, which tells us it's not by might, it's not by your power, it's nothing that you can do. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. I know the mountain looks insurmountable. I know that mountain appears overwhelming. I, I know it looks like that mountain will never come down. I'm here today to tell you, I'm here today to prophesy to you, it will come down. I'm prophesying it is coming down. And so what is that mountain? What is that thing that's haunting you, that's intimidating you, that's saying this is impossible, you'll never be able to? The word of the Lord to you today is it will become level ground. With every problem, there is a promise. I wanna to talk to parents for a minute today. I remember as a youth pastor of our church, I need, you to, I need you to focus, and we're gonna have our kids coming in right now, and that's great. I remember I was a youth pastor of this church my whole focus was to build a youth ministry here. And I, I gave my all to it. My wife and, my wife and myself, we, we threw ourselves out there and really rolled the dice and said, God, whatever you wanna do, we wanna be a part of it. We wanna, we wanna do it. And I remember being taunted and intimidated by the enemy. And listen to what the enemy was telling me. The enemy was telling me, you're gonna, you're gonna spend your whole life ensuring that these young people have a relationship with God and your own kids aren't gonna serve him. And I remember feeling like, like God, you can't, that can't happen to me. Like I, I, I wouldn't, I, 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 I remember feeling that burden in, inside of me. And, and that's an intimidation from the enemy. And we all are gonna have things like that in, in our lives. But, but I, want, I wanna tell you something. No, that God always provides a word. He always provides a word, and that word allows us to push through the problem, and that's exactly what these people did. They pushed through the problem, and they continued to work on God's house. And here's what happened, and this is an amazing end of the story, and I'm just gonna cliff note it for you. The end of the story is crazy, because Nebuchadnezzar is no more. So this old wicked king that had been opposing them for so long, he actually gets taken out. And a new king is placed in charge is a guy by the name of Darius. And all of a sudden, if you follow the text through, King Darius actually stamps his approval on the building of God's house. And, and not only did he approve the people to be able to build it, he actually resourced it. He gave them everything the government paid for the building of God's house. Not only that, Darius says, hey guys, Everything that King Nebuchadnezzar stole from you, everything that King Nebuchadnezzar took from you during that time of, 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 of darkness and that dark time of your life, everything you lost, I'm restoring it back to you with interest. He gave him back everything the devil stole. Let me tell you something, when you persevere and you build God's house, listen, the enemy can try to steal from you, but he'll never succeed because God always gives you double for your trouble. Somebody say amen. But that's not all, that's not it. Darius also said, he said, everyone who's working to build this temple, I'm actually going to exclude from taxes. So I'm gonna take, I'm gonna make sure that you don't ever have to pay taxes. You're actually exempt. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That's unmerited favor, and that's not all. He said this, he said, he said, he said, and I'm gonna make Ezra the priest, the man who had this dream to rebuild, I'm gonna make Ezra responsible for all of the legislation all of the laws and all of the rules that are gonna be, are, that are gonna be part of this, this house and this place, I'm gonna allow Ezra to decide what those laws are. And so actually the legislation came from the house of God. I mean, it's amazing. And, and what I see, and I began to see this in my eyes, I think it's prophetic. I began to recognize because, because I think we can relate to having Nebuchadnezzar ruling over us. I think we can relate to Babylon trying to indoctrinate our kids. I think we can relate to those things. And sometimes it seems overwhelming, like a massive mountain, a massive opposition. But when I read the story through, a remnant of people like you and I built the house of the Lord and God flipped it. It was a total reversion. Yes, the enemy inverted God's picture, 
But that wasn't the end of the story. It actually reverted back exactly to the way God intended it to be from the very beginning. And I believe God can do that in our day. I believe this is prophetic for what we're facing right now. I said earlier that as a, as a parent, I want our kids to come on up on this stage. Yeah, go ahead and give them a big round of applause. Uh, and I'm just going to acknowledge that we are, we're, we're t the, the clock beat me today. We're 10 minutes past, and, and, and that's okay. This is important right now. What we're doing right now is, is probably one of the most important things we're going to do all year. What's up, guys? How's everybody doing? Don't be nervous. Some of you guys are going to be doing this on a weekly basis at some point. You're going to be up here on this stage. We know that. What an amazing group of kids we have. All right, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. But as they're, as they're coming, one of the key scriptures that God gave me, and you'll find this scripture in a couple different places. I need you to focus. You got to grab this because this is all about what we're going to do right now. One of the key scriptures God gave me, and it's at the forefront of my tongue with regards to my own kids, is this scripture I came across in Isaiah 54 where the Bible says, and Isaiah prophesies, and he says this, all your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. Come on, would you just say that with me? All your children will be taught of the, by the Lord and great will be their peace. I claimed that scripture from my kids. When he said all your children, I was thinking about Jordan, I was thinking about Drew, and I was thinking about Abby. And I would say, God, that's my prayer. Lord, that all my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. We pray over them. We believe that for their lives. And I'm glad to say that all, all my children are living for God and serving Him with all their heart. I love that. But that was a promise that God gave me. But what's so interesting is that when Isaiah prophesied that, this is important, he prophesied that before God's people were taken into Babylon. And so when, when Isaiah said that, listen to this, come on. When Isaiah said that, everything was cool. Like, of course they're being taught by the Lord because they have a temple. Of course they're being taught by the Lord because, because that's their culture. Like, they raised in the house of God. Of course, it was kind of a no-brainer that they would be taught by the Lord. Come on, I need you to focus. The enemy's trying to, trying to distract. Come on. Ser seriously. Focus in. I'm gonna give it a minute because I, I, I want you to get this. When Isaiah prophesied that, this was a no-brainer. It's, it's almost like it would have been like, of course, they're gonna be taught by the Lord. That's what we do here. But he prophesied it before they would need it because they had no idea what was coming next because they were gonna be taken into captivity where Babylon was gonna take their names that were God-given and were gonna change them and give them different names and Babylon was going to try to indoctrinate them and lie to them about their heritage about their identity about who they were in Christ and so Isaiah prophesied that they would be taught by the Lord before they were going to be schooled by Nebuchadnezzar and so what we're going to do today is we're going to prophesy that over these children because yes they are going to go into Babylon okay there's a there's a there's, a, there's a world system that's trying to indoctrinate our children. And that's why we don't take lightly what we're doing here at this church with these kids. This is why we plead the blood of Jesus over their minds and over their hearts. And we believe that God will protect them. This is why we're training them to understand who they are in Christ. This is why we want them to know their identity as God says it. We don't want them to ever question it. We don't believe they ever will because the truth of God, we believe, is, is true. And we believe that, that the truth will, will call every man a liar. And we believe that our kids are going to be so, they're going to be so centered in who they are that they'll be able to stand up and speak out and, and declare the truth in a world full of lies. And we believe that God's going to give them the power to do that, that they're going to be a light in the darkness. And one of the key reasons that society is going to look different because our children are going to be singing shouts of joy because you and I are carrying the burden and the responsibility. Come on, stand to our feet. Come on, stand to our feet, come on.
stand to our feet. I want to invite every every faculty member, every teacher. I'm talking I'm talking from from preschool age children straight through high school and college. All of our faculty workers working in the background uh, at our school system. I want to invite you guys on the stage too because you're on the front lines and we believe God's going to use you. Come on, give these guys a big round of applause. Can we do that? Come on, give our teachers a big round of applause. Come on, every, every parent, would you, would, would you, if you care about these kids at all, would you just come down? Come on, come down towards these altars. Come on, we're going to pray together as a church. I'm inviting everybody, even all the way in the back. You're thinking, should I go? Yes, you should go. Step out of your chair, out of your chair. Come on, come get, get comfortable down here. We're going to pray over these kids, and we're going to declare that all our kids will be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace. Come on, would you say it with me? All our children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace. Come on, parents, I want to look at your children. All my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. There will be, we speak against anxiety, we speak against fear, we speak against oppression that would try to derail these young people and we thank you Lord that the joy of the Lord is their strength. God, we pray the peace of God that passes all understanding. God, we come against the lies of the enemy that would try to confuse, that would try to, that would try to derail. Lord, we're asking that the truth will rise, God. In Jesus' name, would you pray that right now? We're praying for truth right now. Let truth rise, God. Let truth rise. Let truth rise in our school systems. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you raise your hands? Come on. Faculty members, put your hands on these young people. Would you do that? Come on, put your hands on them. Lay your hands on them. God, we thank you right now. Lord, let the Spirit of God, Lord, the Spirit of God touch this, touch this heart. Use, use, use these young people, God. In Jesus' name, God. In Jesus' name, Lord. God, we know you've got great plans for them. God, we know you're going to do great work with them, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God. In Jesus' name. Come on. In Jesus' name, God. Your spirit, your presence, your power, your authority. Come on. In Jesus' name, God. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Lift your hands up. Come on. Jonas, lift your hands up. Come on. God's going to use you, Jonas. He's going to use you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. In Jesus' name. Come on. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, God. Let the truth rise. Let the truth rise. Come on, in Jesus. Let's go to war right now. Can we go to war for our kids? Let's lift up a shout of a shout of praise to God right now. Come on. Alright, this is what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna do. The picture that was painted in Ezra chapter 3, we're gonna, we're gonna reproduce right now. Okay? That's what we're going to do right now. The picture that was painted in Ezra 3 were the adults in the room. And I'm not, I'm not asking you to like drum up some tears. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to look at these children and understand our responsibility. That's what I'm asking you to do. Our responsibility as their parents, our responsibility as their examples, as their leaders. You have a, you have a responsibility. Some of you are like, oh man, I'll never teach Sunday school. No, no, listen. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. A lot of times we just, listen, what we're gonna paint right now in this, we're gonna pray together right now, but I wanna paint the picture that was happening in Ezra 3 because it's the picture of, of, of a healthy society where we understand, no, no, I have that responsibility to, to earnestly intercede for these children. That's what needs to happen right now. Like, not a token prayer. I'm talking about what we see in Ezra 3, where we understand the weight of what happens when, when our kids, there's a healthy age-appropriate responses. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do whatever it takes on my part to make sure these kids have a smile and a shout. That's what I want for them. That's what I want for, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you guys. And we're believing that that's what you're gonna have. Do you believe that? Does everyone believe that? Are you guys ready? Come on, I wanna intercede. We're gonna, I'm gonna put the mic down and I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you pray. Come on, I want you to cry out to God just like they did in chapter three. Let's, let's paint that picture of what a healthy society looks like. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, one, two, three, go, go, go. Come on, go, go, come on, come on, go. Come on, intercede, come on, go. Come on, cry out, cry out. Come on, push in. Come on, cry out. Right now, cry out. 
on, just a minute longer. Come on, go to, go to work right here. Come on, let's finish this out. God, we thank you right now. We thank you for the power, Lord. We thank you for the authority. We thank you for the truth, God. Lord, it's our responsibility, God. We transfer it to these young people. God, we pray, Lord, you fill their hearts with shouts of joy, God. Fill their, fill their minds with peace, God. All our children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be their peace. We're pro- prophesying that. Every faculty member, come on, stretch your, stretch your hands towards our amazing staff members of these school systems, school districts. God, we thank you for them. Lord, from preschool straight through high school. And we pray, Lord, that you'd give these teachers courage. God, we know what they're up against. And we know the attack on the truth. We know what they're facing. And so, Lord, we pray strength and courage, wisdom, God. Lord, did you give it over them, Lord? I pray, Lord, we know that the reason they're doing what they're doing is because they love your children. And I pray, Lord God, that you would that you would propel that calling. God, that you propel that heart, Lord, to do amazing things. Lord, let there be fruitfulness to follow their sacrifice. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, do a work in our day that we wouldn't believe it. We wouldn't even believe it if you told us. Lord, what you, what you did, what you did in Ezra chapter 5, Lord, a reversion of the inversion. We're looking for that happening today in our time, in our culture. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Come on. Can we give these young people a big round of applause? Can we do that? Let them know you love them. Can you let them know? Let them know you love them. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Hang out. Greet these kids. Would you do that? Let them know you love them. God bless you guys.